Hey everyone. So, you know, you think getting to the moon is a, a difficult thing? Well, it's absolutely nothing in comparison to this, this journey back into healing your trauma. I mean, seriously. Elon Musk and all these people, great, but really? <laughs> yeah. The journey home <clears throat> to recover yourself from the dark is an odyssey. So if you embark upon it, um, recognize that it is not a one night thing or a week thing. It is a life thing. It is a, a trek through the jungles of the dark. And the aim was and is to reach the final vault. And the vault, or I imagine sort of the, the rock in front of the cave is to get your soul back, to get yourself back if you've been severely injured or early on. And the game is, or this, the journey is game over. <clears throat> and it is the hero's journey. You have to go and face the thing that stole you or used you when you were little. And it's a towering, frightening <clears throat> dragon with fire, you know, just pouring out of its nostrils. And it's terrifying. Your child is terrified. And it's also being held hostage. And your journey or your mission, if you wish to do it, is to go bring your child home. It's quite simple to go and get your soul back. And there's no two ways about it. You know, if you're little and something terrible happens or many terrible things happen, you are overwhelmed with terror. <coughs> and you have been held hostage by the person that terrified you. And it's not about being strong and no, it's a treacherous journey, right? These are energies. I don't see them as parents. It's energy. It's dark. It's evil. It might come in the body of a parent or an apparent parent. Of course, there isn't a parent if there's evil. <clears throat> but essentially, it's... It is the fight between the light and the dark. It seems so bloody obvious. And so like, oh, so spiritual. But it is. The forces of evil and dark are huge. And, you know, have a lot of power. So, <clears throat> if you go back, if you just, and it's so funny because if you, when I started, I had no idea I was on this odyssey. I thought, oh, I'll just meditate for a bit and I'll feel calmer. <laughs> that was like, what, 18 years ago? <laughs> and then I was led into this, like, 
yeah, on this huge journey. The forces of the dark. I mean, I don't, again, I only know about my own experience and it's, you know, my experience. So there's no <coughs> Excel sheet with a final accounting at the end. It's a daily experience of facing fear. That's it. Of sitting. I think one of the... Um, um, things about meditation in general, this whole thing, is the more you sit still, the more the energy slows down, the more you see. Because one of the things about trauma is like you're shot off like in a cannonball, right? You're moving at high velocity. <coughs> and everything is whirling very, very, very fast. It's like on a spinning wheel. And for me to even to get to first base, to even realize there was something wrong, I, you know, I, I was meditating for 13 and a half years before I even got to first base. And the meditation, again, you take out all the, you know, funny outfits and, you know, the <clears throat> superficial components of it, is really slowing down energy. It's slowing down the energy. Because if you're in panic and fear, you're hemorrhaging energy, right? You're in neurosis, you're in panic, you're running, you're... And in meditation, you begin to slow down the energy. That's quite simple. It's not that woo-woo. And as you slow down the energy, so more things can surface. You know, if there's a lot of turmoil at the top of the ocean, there's not a lot to see. But when that turmoil begins to slow down, the water becomes more transparent, right? It was, it was made very clear to me that <clears throat> I had something I had to go face. It was a roaring monster. I had no idea. It was literally like my cab stopped in New York. I was in a cab and I left my money and my wallet in there. Like I had to give up all of my ambitions. I had to give up my life, really. I had to give up everything that I believed that I was doing that was, I had to go face. That none of it was important until I faced this thing. It was very powerful. Um, so, it's like the world said, you know, you have to give everything up. There's no, you know, whatever you're doing. And it's literally, I was in this cab, I, I, just, I just stopped and I got out. It's almost like this, the higher version of you shows up, right? Um, I can't describe it, but that was the dream. It was like, you have to go face this roaring monster in the attic. It's evil. I mean, I had no idea. I just thought, oh shit, you know. <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> I didn't realize I was, I was gonna go on a huge odyssey to tear down evil. Well, so you're going to be keep going through if you if you have unprocessed trauma from early on, and you do plant medicines, it's kind of a test you're kind of you have to keep going. I mean, I've been going for what six years, I don't know, five years, yeah, sitting and sitting because 
The way you're trapped in evil or darkness is very clever. You know, again, I've talked about it. You're a little tiny thing and there's this roaring person above you who's terrifying you. And the last vault or the last layer of this journey is the reconnection to your little munchkin. So, as I'd mentioned before, there are two major things that you're going to do if you're on this journey. And they're both huge and they're both terrifying. Actually, no, one of them's terrifying, but they're both huge undertakings. And one is you have to go face the dragon or the monster or the person that hurt you, which is in itself a huge, terrifying undertaking, especially if you've been frozen in trauma, right? And um, so that's number one. You're going to have to become a courageous warrior. It really is like um, the Wizard of Oz, right? The one that needs the courage. So you're going to have to become a courageous warrior. I mean, that's the reason you've been running, right? It's like you have to turn back and go face, go into the flames, number one. And number two is you're going to finally reconnect with the child or your soul that you abandoned. You know, it's like abandoning ship when this shit happens. <clears throat> it's like somebody comes in and just and steals you and terrifies you and you just leave. They call it el susto. You just disappear. And I love that notion that you're the ayahuasca is looking for your soul, right? You're lost out there somewhere. So these are the two things you're dealing with. And, you know, you, you have to become a warrior for yourself. You have to learn about love, which is the thing that they've stripped you of. You're going to have to give up your loyalty to the dark. I became and justified the dark. And you're going to have to reconnect with the you that they stole. With your sweetness and your tenderness and your vulnerability. And the truth of who you are. And all of that is a major odyssey. And especially if it's apparent. Especially if it's apparent. Um, the darkness or the roaring monster or the dragon will, you know, flare its flames at you over and over. And you have to keep sitting through the terror that it's instilling in you. It's the same terror they instilled in you when you were a child. Right? And until you 
see them for who they are. One of the other things is that, you know, if there's major trauma, you don't have a clue about what happened. You're like a broken glass. I always call it fine bone china that's been shattered. You're like a jigsaw puzzle that's just in pieces. And you're literally put back together like Humpty Dumpty. I mean, I can only describe it like that because that really is what it's like. <clears throat> you have been shattered by the events. You have survived in whatever way you can, but you have been stolen. So when you get to that final cave or vault where your little child, where your, your soul is being returned and you're finally reconnecting to the tenderness of your little sweetheart that was abused or hurt, that's when the winning begins, right? Game over is really the destination. And the game over is you slay the dragon. You finally see it. So in the twilight of consciousness, you're just being dragged around like, you know, on the back of a, you know, of a boat, right? You're just, it's like being, you know, water skiing. You're just, but not that because that's far too glamorous a thing. You're just being pulled about by a boat here and there, right, in the wake of it. You can't see, you can't, you don't know what's going on. It's just happening with or without you. So you can't see the, the whole picture or understand anything. So you're just going along because you're just wanting to survive. That's the trick, right? So the ayahuasca <coughs> makes you whole. And how she makes you whole is by putting all the pieces back together so you can finally understand everything and heal and slay the dragon. And all the while, the dragon that lives within you, because it's a terror, is trying to stop you from becoming whole. In order for you to do the bidding of the dragon or evil, it needs you to be scared. It needs you to be fragmented. It needs you to be distracted. And I've done a lot of all of that, right? And the ayahuasca, is, and, you know, by sitting relentlessly day after day, what I'm doing, or what you're doing if you do plant medicines, is you're standing up to the dragon. You're beginning to lose the fear. And as you lose the fear and face it, more information becomes available to you. Right? So, you know, after 13 and a half years of meditation, one of the most, you know, I just had a dream, which was here it is. It was like, I, you know, I had a huge Kundalini awakening and boom, and here's a something in the attic that's I need to go face. And it's drooling and seething and I send my cousins up because I'm too scared of it. And it's like, no, you have to face it. 
So whatever happened to you, whatever trauma you have hidden or you know, unprocessed or you can't reach or you're having symptoms but you don't know the cause, you know, there's usually a very powerful hold on you which is through fear. I mean, fear is the paralyzer. I mean, you just see it in animals, it just stops dead in its track. It's, it's like, oh. Fear and terror, again, should be in the science books as, you know, a gravitational force, some kind of massive energetic force. So, in ayahuasca, if you do it, she's going to give you, you know, if you do it, she kind of gives you the lay of the land. And then you have to kind of, it really is like finding Waldo. You've got to put the pieces together and you can't see the story. Okay, so you, you're fragmented because it's a dragon, right? You can't put the pieces together because in the middle of the room is a dragon. And the minute you turn to look, the dragon is going to flare its nostrils and fire is going to come out. So if you want to get closer and reconnect to your child and get through the trauma, you have to constantly keep facing the dragon. And the more you face it, the less power it has. And the more information you get, that dragon is holding, that fear is holding the information. It's keeping you away from the information. And so you keep sitting and sitting. And as you sit, so in my instance, because I was pimped out as a child for money, for sexual abuse, um, the fear was horrific, horrific right and I couldn't see what he was doing I so I justified his behavior I abandoned myself and made a contract with him right because you're too little so I had refused my little munchkin and all the horror that was done to my little girl and made me, myself wrong because he made me wrong and justified his behavior. Now, you can't, I couldn't see any of that. You can't, you know, once it's been shut down and, you know, but I literally just said, fuck you to me and bring it on to him. Right? To evil. It's quite simple. And <clears throat> was willing. It's a really sadomasochistic thing to do, right? To refuse your child. And again, no shade on you or me or anyone. It's all just part of this thing, right? It's what you do in terror, right? It's like, I'm jumping ship. My soul's going to leave. And I'm going to sign the contract with the devil, right? and make the devil right and me wrong. The minute I'd signed that contract, everything I was in, I was in jail. And in fact, I saw it in a ceremony. I was on the floor, my hands behind my back. 
him towering over me, some dark force, it was him. I had excused evil, excused it, legitimized it, agreed with it, and became in a way its disciple. I had flat out abandoned myself, right? <clears throat> the little child that I was sat in that last cave, cowering in a fetal position, whilst I marched on as a soldier of the dark. So what he'd cleverly done, and evil is, if not anything clever, a coward, but clever, um, was, you know, couldn't get any work, figured, you know, next best, best thing is to sell my kid. She's gonna agree because I'm gonna tell her, you know, if you don't do this, we're all gonna die. And I'm gonna terrify her and so, and constantly, you know, berate her and et cetera and say that she's weak, whatever, right? So, I mean, it's a coward that hurts any child. And again, it doesn't, you know, in my case it was sexual abuse, but it's all bad. Whether they scream at you, they hit you, whatever they do, any injury to a munchkin, it really, you know, when you're that little, it's all horrible. It's not even, you know, you're, you're terrified of everything, right? Because you have no power. This is particularly pernicious, but whatever. So I actually blacked out. I blacked it out so I could cope with it. And I was made wrong about having a response to it. So that's kind of like, so again, and again, this is my thing, but whatever your thing is. So I literally said no to my little divine soul and said yes and <clears throat> to the devil, basically. And these are contracts. So at some point, my higher self or your higher self or whatever it is, I don't even know these, I, I don't hate using sort of spiritual terms, but whatever it is, this energy, said, wait, wait, no, 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 no. After, you know, tons of suffering and loss, etc. I need to, I, I, I need, to, it was my, I think it was my, the higher self, I'm just going to call it that, M squared, Maria squared, or whatever your name is, George squared, said no. No, we need to go back and bring our soul home. And that was a massive odyssey. It was like, I need to go get my soul back. And the Shipibo, again, call it El Susto, your soul fucks off, and you're on the search for your soul. But it's almost like this, when I had that big Kundalini break, it was like my higher self was like, okay, we need to go face this dragon, this monster. You need to go. Again, I had no clue. It all happened in the dark. It happened in this, the dawning of, you know, the dawning of my little consciousness, very little. And on this journey back, you're tearing down all your beliefs and, you know, you, it's all very scary because you've, 
greed under duress and fear, right? You know, I had legitimized and justified his behavior and made him into some, you know, humble God that required saving, that it, he, something bad had happened to him and therefore it was my responsibility. What finally shows up is that this cunt basically pimped me out because he was a con man. Nice alliteration there. And um, terrified me and used me all the time. First by sexual abuse, then with terror, then success. To be fuel for his nothingness, basically. It was all a massive trick. Of course, I had no idea, because, again, it happens all in the dark, and all you have in that dark is terror. And you're signing contracts left, right, and center because, you know, you're, you're going to die. You're too little. The emerging of your consciousness. So now, if you've built this whole, if, if you've done this for a long time, and you're agreeing and you're agreeing, and you're terrified and you're terrified and at some point something terrible happens in your life and you have to go back and undo it, it's terrifying because remember you're terrified. You don't make a pact with the devil because you're having a nice day, right? If somebody puts a gun against your head, you don't say shoot me, you, you, you try to negotiate, you know. But it's a hostage taking. And it's a hostage taking of your soul. And it's very thick, right? So the, imagine the ice in Antarctica, it's like thick, thick, the layers and layers and layers that are built been between, you know, what happened and now are massive. By the time I got to the ayahuasca, I was at the end of the equation. I was the cooked souffle. I had agreed and agreed and agreed. And I had left myself behind a long time ago. In ayahuasca time, it's nothing. In, you know, in like, it's like dog life. In human life, it's like 60 years ago, right? One of the things that I didn't understand, and you know, it's, it's so basically, you're going to have to go face the monster that did this thing to you. And it's the dark versus the light. You're going to have to go and bring your soul back, right? That's what you're doing. I want my soul back. The Shipibo say it's out there somewhere. So that, you know, in this constant sitting, you're basically calling your soul home. You're giving your, you're, you're weakening the power of the darkness within you. And as you weaken its power, there's more light, most probably, for your soul to come back. But it is, you're literally sitting, you know, to, to, and facing the dragon. The darkness is real. The horror and the terror is real. It's not like, oh, I'm attached to it. No, it's real. It's an energy. And people talk alignment to yourself. The alignment is the reconnection with your beautiful soul that you abandoned, or I certainly abandoned, you know, in a state of terror. It was a, a theft. But what's interesting to me 
was so in my event he tricked me sent me out to be abused made me sort of the fuel upon which we were all going to survive so I was carrying the burden of this whole fucking family and of course I didn't know this is all kind of and then I supposedly had a mother who was infantilized as was I so it wasn't that I so here's the deal so I became sort of the machine that built the illusion right so if I you know, again, it's like being Shanghaied on one of these pirate ships, right? They're going to the Americas, you know, they just, they used to do that, right? They just get off the ship in medieval England or something and just take a few people off the street and put them on the ship and before they knew it, they were rowing. So that's how it happened to me. I was Shanghaied and then I was basically made to feel that, you know, if I didn't deliver, this whole place would collapse this whole illusion. So, like, I was the engine room for the illusion of them. You know, I was like the machine that was making them look good, making them into something. I didn't know that I'd been pimped out for money. That's how he started his business. I didn't know that he had tricked my mother and stalked her. I didn't know any of this. Like none. How could I? I was a little tiny child, right? So when you go back on this journey, <clears throat> and again, the bigger the front, the bigger the back, the more story you have about who you are, the more story there is to undo. It's like you have, you know, the thicker the ice you've got to get through. The pickaxe has to be even bigger. And... So not only did somebody say, listen, you know, it's up to you. We live or die. <laughs> Thank you very little. Like, wasn't I on a plane to Mauritius? How the fuck did I end up in hell, right? And it's all issuing from this one evil energy, which was he needed to become someone. He wanted power. He wanted control. And he had no problem doing whatever he needed to do to do that. So I think, you know, when you look back and you look at your whole landscape, you'll realize things like why I hate, I hated people with money. I hated the whole notion of making money because it meant that for me, again, it, it all is all relative to your experience. It was like you were willing to sell me, to, to hurt me, to make a buck. You know? I mean, that's not the case. You know, everybody, you know, for God's sake, you know, everybody has a right to make whatever they want to do. But I'm just saying, if you look at your relative experiences, you'll see why you have responses to certain things and mine was you know I hated people with money oh no no I hated them I, said, I, I just saw them as you know it was like I want to be a socialist and a Marxist I mean it was, it was all crazy right when I was younger it wasn't because I understood that much about Marxism I can't stand the notion of socialism I mean it's all very yuck right freedom is really the name of the game and hey, what's, you know, what's so bad about capitalism? Um, it wasn't about, it, it became, it, see how we translate our own sort of, our own trauma, how we project it onto the world, right? That's, and that's one thing which is really 
satisfying and really powerful and revealing is like as you undo these layers of your trauma and you liberate yourself from it by facing these fears so you can also undo your paralyzed beliefs right and there were many paralyzed beliefs that I had which were paralyzed by trauma one of which was so first of all there was you know I, I couldn't have power I mean I was shown in a ceremony like I could have everything and she and I couldn't I, I wasn't I didn't want power I didn't want power I didn't want to have money because for me the way I had been you know I was traumatized was I'm gonna sell you for money like what you know duh of course you don't want to make money right it means you have to I'm gonna abuse a child I have no problem abusing a child to make money so the whole thing and then it was also about you know they needed to the money because they had no integrity or morals or anything and they were just empty the money meant that somehow they would have an outline right so again I was never interested in, you know, any identity, which I mean is not, you know, a good or bad thing. It's just I didn't, you know, I was like this revolutionary in my brain because, you know, I thought because of my own experience that you would have to abuse children to make money. Again, that was all very deeply in my psyche, but I'm just saying is if you look at your trauma, if you actually get to your trauma, and understand the narrative around it, then you understand your beliefs around your limited, very limited beliefs around the world, right? And so I was always like, you know, for the people and, you know, for the, as Marx would call the great unwashed and like who would want power if it meant abusing children? Of course that's not you know the case at all but again it was relative to my experience so you've got to and it, you know you've got to get to the wholeness of everything so you've got to get to the whole picture the whole jigsaw puzzle is really being put back together once you continue to face down the fear and so because this dragon was you know flaring its nostrils and pouring out fire which was terror really you know, I was terrified into believing, well, you know, we need to survive. And if you don't do this, we're all going to die. So, like, the whole weight of this family was on my shoulders. So, of course, I had to justify him. And he couldn't get work in England. Well, he's from Spain. He couldn't speak the fucking language. And he was a lazy cunt, right? So, his next option was, well, I can't get any work, so I'm just going to sell my kid. And so we had to feel sorry for him. Again, he was more important than any of us. Again, this is all through the medicine, right? The, the information is given to me through the medicine, through actually physically being there in 3Ds and holograms and there's no past or present. It's just all one thing, right? So you realize there's no time or space. And, you can get to any, if it's inscribed in your system, it's energetically available to everybody, your past, your present. So, 
Oh, okay. We had to feel sorry for him because he couldn't get work. So, okay, next option is sell my, sell my daughter, pimp her out, and give the toddler the responsibility of saving this family. It's me, my brother, my mother, and my father. What? And if you cry, and if you have a response, then there's something wrong with you. Wipe out, wipe out, wipe out, wipe out, right? Here, so you see how the, talk about the crooked timber for humanity. You see how all of this is then suddenly your owned. Your own. There's all this narrative around you. There's all this bullshitting. There's all this trickery. And so now I became the savior, but I'm a fucking three-year-old. <laughs> and I have to be okay with the horror that's done to me because there's nothing and there's no one and there's nothing but terror. Okay, again, blacked out, don't remember it, seen everything in the ceremonies. And so every day, more or less, I get to see it. So, but what I was getting to was not only was I responsible for him, but then I was responsible for my mother, an infantilized child whom he stalked to use, right? abandoned with two kids and then she came to London. Here I am in cahoots with the devil, right? And then having to also sustain her. I mean, because she wasn't doing anything, she was just a kid. So it was just like, huh? <laughs> I mean, huh? And this constant, it's like being a, I think of Oliver Twist, it's like being in the fucking work poorhouse. And, you know, if you don't deliver, we're all gonna die. And it was through threat and bullying and putting down, I mean, it just relentless. But what's interesting is at some point, <clears throat> I made a conversion. At some point, so first of all, if you're in trauma <clears throat> and it's overwhelming, I, you know, I abandoned myself and I made a pact with the devil <clears throat> and blacked it out. And then to account for the devil and to make it human, I made it into a victim. And therefore into a mission to save him through relentless um, self-hatred and not giving a shit about it. I was always trying to find success so that, you know, the devil could smile. All the while in complete abandonment of my own soul. Until eventually everything crashed after divorce and everything was lost and the fucking Titanic sank. That's when I was like, okay, something's wrong. What's wrong here?
But up, up until then, I was literally like, you know, on the run for my life. It's like somebody just shanghais you in the dark and says, you know, if you don't make me look good, like here's the burden of my whole life on this little kid's shoulders. Like, okay, take my burden, go fix it. So <clears throat> if you look at, and when you go on this journey, what you're being put back together you know you're just a million pieces of shards and you know humpty dumpty broken and if you've been stolen through terror and it's mostly terror you're gonna have to go face the dragon and as you sit through all the fear and the terror and you know, they're holding all the information, right? That's basically, and they, they talk of sub-personality, but it's basically the dragon is holding all the secrets. You're holding their secrets. You've become a container for their secrets. So, and it's not like it's, you know, pieces of you will go, oh, that's weird, or, you know, I mean, it's not like you're completely shut out, but most of it you are shut out from because of the fear. And you're on the run, so you can't look back. And they're the victim, so if you do or say something awful, then you're hurting them. You don't realize that they've used you and that you're the one that's really hurting. So there's a no, it's a no-win situation, right? You know, if you don't perform, they die or whatever. I mean, whatever, you can look at your own narrative, but you know, you'll see it. Um, <clears throat> you're responsible. But you're really owned and you're terrified. And I was pretending strong, but I, I was just absolutely terrified, right? So this, it's a whole weight. And I remember at some point, I think I was going to do my A-levels, and my brother had left the house and he was living in some bedsit or something, and he, he was doing his rebellion. Another thing which you need to do is rebel, which you know you have to do when you're 13 or 14 or whenever. I never did that because I was captured, right? And I remember thinking, I was remember being absolutely terrified. And I never understood, I, had to, I didn't want to go back to school. I couldn't understand why I was so terrified and I didn't want to leave the bedroom. Now I understand. Because if we had that much uncertainty again, and that much kind of rumbling, and the whole house was unstable because he'd left, that I would be sent out again. Somehow, if there was no stability, then somehow, you know, what other horror? I didn't know at the time. I didn't understand what my terror was about. <clears throat> but it was most probably to do with that early terror of, if things aren't working out, we're gonna have to send you out again, which, you know, is insane. So again, you have no, I had no information, none at all. And so what it is, is it's you facing the fear, which is this writhing dragon. And then the more you sit, the more information you get. And then you're being taken back into those events 
you know, like little pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, which are being lit up by the ayahuasca. And then you're being, your continent is being put back together so you can see the whole picture. And when you see the whole picture, because remember, so I, if you're terrified or traumatized, your emotional compass is shut down. Like I had no feelings for my little girl. In fact, at some point I was on the beach, I had a little child in my hand, I wanted to throw it in the ocean. I had this overwhelming sense, I just want to throw it in the ocean. Because it was a child that I've completely severed from, that I hated, as I had been hated, by being sent out to be abused. So you're being, the whole picture, because you don't, here's the deal, if you've been living in, you know, one place for 60 years and suddenly you're being shown that this place is a dungeon, your whole system doesn't really understand that because you've been busy, you know, filtering out everything. So it, all of it needs to be put together because you see the whole picture, right? So it's little by little by little. It's like, again, like a, a Christmas calendar. You know, one little window, the other little window is opened. It's the illumination of this huge continent of darkness by the ayahuasca. And that darkness is being, you're being held captive there because of terror early on. And they're counting on the terror to keep you away from seeing the truth and doing their bidding. So the way back is to keep facing the terror and becoming a warrior right a warrior of your own soul and the and it's a way as a test because you have to keep facing get deeper and deeper into the dark and become stronger and stronger and more courageous right you have to become and the cu courage comes from the love that you have for your little munchkin right so I promised her that I would go to the ends of the earth and I don't care how many centuries I have to sit and face this thing, that I would, that was my sole mission. I mean, I do work, I work and everything, but that's just like flipping burgers. I mean, I do construct whatever. It does, none of it really matters, all my identity, my whatever, I don't give a shit. The most important thing was I was gonna bring her home. That was my promise. I didn't know what it would take, but I was willing to go to the ends of the earth to bring her home. And that's really love, right? What you're doing is you're learning about love. You're re, because I never knew love. That was like, huh? Right, so you're learning. <clears throat> so through the ayahuasca, she teaches you about unconditional love because to me, she's shown up every single day. If I sit on my cushion, and I put on the Ikaros, she's always there. It's like I'm tuned in all day, every day, right? And so she's been my guide, you know, and I say it's a she for everybody that comes up as a different person, as a different thing, but it's a spirit, you know, she's been there relentlessly. So she's shown me unconditional love and I'm showing my child unconditional love by making my life the mission 
a mission to bring her home. Uh, you know, and that means if I have to sit through, you know, 10,000 demons. In fact, in one instance, I was sitting there and there were thousands of black snakes coming out of me, like thousands and thousands. And then up above, you know, in front of me, suddenly this huge Roman Herculean soldier just ballooned in front of me. And it was the ayahuasca, the light. So I was smothered in the dark by him, by pedophiles, by the abuse, by the things they did to me, which, yeah, the most disgusting. It's like I'm carrying, I was carrying the darkness, the gruesomeness of the dark, of people's sickness, because it's a sickness to want to abuse a child, right? There is so much theft of your sexuality, of your power, your femininity, of everything, right? Or your, if it's a boy, masculinity, whatever, right? Like, oh, I think about all these disgusting religions that do this to children. It's like, oh, these fucking awful people. Anyway, in the name of God. Oh, anyway, um, so, side note. <laughs> so, so the ayahuasca is off, offers you unconditional love. I didn't know it before. And you show your child or your soul unconditional love by your willingness to sit in the face of the most horrific terror and darkness. And it's your light and it's and it almost like the ayahuasca is an example of the light of unconditional love and you kind of follow her light and you you get courage from understanding that the light is so powerful. You get your strength back by being connected to this incredible love. And the love is the light. And it is that love that gives you the strength to go back. And through this immense odyssey and jungle of the darkness, and see everything for what it is. I mean, for me to wake up and recognize that I had been pimped out by my own parents, when I had this fantasy in my brain about him being this caring, loving human being who was so humble. I mean, it's a big shock, right? And then when you give up your loyalty to the dark, and your emotions are back on, and you realize, oh my God, that was my little girl or my little boy, right? How could they, once, once that contract is broken, you actually are connected to your child. You can see the horror of what they did. It doesn't really register at first because you've been so busy protecting them that you've given them all this authority and power but once you begin to break down and to feel this love for yourself, love for yourself, then you're loving your little child. And it's the ayahuasca that has taught me about love by giving me love. Right? And 
once you begin to feel that love for yourself, the trauma, the trick dissolves. You see, the trick lives by your loyalty to it. And your loyalty is the refusal of your soul, of your light. It's a refusal of, your, of love, of light. I was dragged into that darkness by evil. I had become, you know, it's like a container for filth. It was like I was a sewage dump all the filth of these men and their sickness and this man's sickness my own parent who dragged me there and I had agreed to be a dumping ground for this filth my little piece of divinity a sewage dump for filth taken by my own parent right so, and I had justified him. That's okay. As if there was some grace or some sacredness in being used. That's exactly what it was like. Right? There was some sense of power, power, and being powerless, in being able to carry so much dirt and sickness, a container for the dark. But in so doing, my light had been wiped out, my soul had gone, I disappeared. I didn't even know it. So there's no life in any of that. In the same way there's no life if I pour hydrochloric acid in a plant. Right? If I carpet bomb a garden. But I'd submitted and surrendered and justified that evil, right? Agreed to be pinned down, to be in prison, which is in the very 3D ceremony, on the ground, my hands behind my back. I'd agreed to be a prisoner of the dark. Because when someone wipes out the light, you don't know what the light is. Right? If a child has never seen, you're blind. You think blindness is it. And so this whole odyssey or journey back has been a fight, a battle between the light and the dark in which I was stolen. <clears throat> and you don't know you're stolen, right? I thought, oh, these people are great. <laughs> These people are great. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a nervous laughter, right? I was absolutely blinded, absolutely convinced that what I was doing 
was in the name of some great mission of helping them. And, no. Right? But again, it's ignorance. I didn't know. And I had to endure the most horrific suffering to wake up. Because if you're in the dark, you will attract the dark. Right? Because your whole register is about the darkness. So after suffering what was really horrific, divorce, etc., which by the way, I manifested all of it because I was just bait. Everything was, I was just used, I, everything was about, you know, bringing home the bacon for evil, right? Whether it was through marriage, it was all friendship, success. It was all about bringing home the bacon to evil. You know, it's like, go out and conquer countries and bring me back the goodies from those. It's like, it literally is a bit like, yeah, go slaughter a few million people and bring me back the gold. Basically. Something's very similar to that. I mean, I think when you look at all of this stuff, it's, it's happening on a micro level and macro. It's happening in different ways, right? And you don't know. It's like, oh, you know, the church told me, I'm just saying, you know, a certain religion said, oh, look, go, look, you know, I've, I've put you in the fold. I've, I've uh, terrified you enough. Now, look, go out, go slaughter 10,000 Amazon, you know, Indians. I don't care what you need to do, just get me the gold. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, something like that. Until you've seen enough suffering and you've endured enough suffering that you're like, okay, something is not right here. I had to lose a lot for me to wake up. Not even to wake up, just to get to like, huh? Just to get to her. What? I thought I did everything right, didn't I? I did everything I was supposed to do. I was educated. I nice person. I married this person. I mean, what? How did? How did all this shit happen over here? <laughs> oh, how clever you are, Mr. Darkness, Miss Darkness, whatever. However, it shows up. It's a trick. And so. So you go on the Odyssey. I didn't know I was going into this huge Odyssey. I thought I was just, you know, I was just gonna, I was just gonna do a little meditation. <laughs> oh my God, here I am face to face with the dark. Yeah. And I think, all right, game over is, so for me, the last lingering piece, I couldn't. So the universe is saying, I want you to see all of it. Face the darkness. You know, get your courage on. Like, get your courage on. Yeah, you're going to sit every day. Okay. It's terrifying. Okay, sit, 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 sit. More feelings. You're in these 3Ds. You're seeing everything. The picture is being put, you know, the veil's being lifted bit by bit by bit by bit. I think one of the most, the one piece that was still missing was my mother. 
So for you to become whole, you have to give it all up. You can't be half pregnant in this thing, right? You can't just do, oh, I'll just see a little bit of it. No, no, you have to see all of it. And where I wasn't giving up, where I wasn't, there was a threat or something, there was some dark, I wouldn't, the, so facing him was already difficult, he was an absolute cunt, but again he tricked me and I was terrified of him. So that was, that was a big thing, just to go face, the, you know, the original sort of piece of evil that was him. But what also kept me from truly tearing it all down was her because in a way by keeping all of this a secret she was also my obligation right so you know I was also the bubble machine for her like the delusion about who this person was like if I tore everything down, it was, I was tearing both of them out. I mean, in other words, I was kind of, in my brain, I was destroying both of them. I was destroying the whole lie I had built about them. And which I had maintained so they could feel good about themselves. Right? I had to make them feel good about themselves. I was the one that was trying to make the big illusion about who they were by success and marriage and all this shit, right? So I was sort of the, the, um, the front man. So if I was to go face the truth and the darkness, I wouldn't just shake him down and get him the fuck out. But she was also going to go down because she had done nothing and had like kind of lived off the froth of this thing and thought she was, you know. So they were both going to have, they were also, they were both going to be deflated, right? So by me refusing the truth and refusing myself, and basically I had severed from my child and abandoned her, I was fuel for like the Macy Day, you know, the Macy Thanksgiving Day Parade balloons of these two people. I had blown them up. By severing from my truth and agreeing, I had become the fuel for the dark, the lie. I was the one that was going to build them into somebody by being successful or whatever, right? So look at your narratives because they all have very powerful stories. The minute I agreed to go on the odyssey, every second that you're facing that threat, you're taking out the air of these people, right? I was taking out the air of these people. I was beginning to see them for who they were. And she was the last, kind of last obstacle. By, take, by, by refusing to be who I was, by refusing to play that role, she would then also be deflated, right? That seems almost <clears throat> very narcissistic to say, but in my brain, it's all happening in your brain, right? But it was true. It's like she depended on me 
to make her feel good about herself. I remember one conversation, she was, make me happy. Like, you're here to make me happy, right? So, kind of, you might be carrying the whole illusion of a family, which is what I was doing, right? I had agreed to, uh, you know, align with the dark, to build an identity which is based on trauma and abuse and the darkness. Oh yeah, it's great that you've got your Prada dress and your Ferrari, but by the way, you had to, you know, kill a few people to get there, yeah. It's great that, you know, you sold all those arms that basically, you know, you're making money off the slaughter of people. That's basically what it was like, right? I had to be willing to give up love and tenderness and innocence and kindness and everything that I was to become sort of a mercenary. Again, this happened very early in the dark and align with the dark and willingly be a container for the filth and the greed and the sickness of pedophiles in order to make him feel good about himself and make her feel good about who she was. I mean, it's sick in retrospect. I was willing to have my divinity completely sullied by the dirt and the filth of pedophiles and evil and the dark so they could feel good about themselves because they had some money. I mean, yuck and double yuck and I had no idea. None, none. So as your jigsaw puzzle is being put back together, and you know, she said to me, you abandoned, how can I, I didn't, like, how did I, I couldn't figure that out. Or a split screen where it was pure black. I'm like, it was that, was it that bad? Yeah. And in a way it's a bigger message. It's like, the dark exists. The dark is not the light. In the dark, we agree to the vileness, the sickness, the twist. I mean, to abuse a child, to hit a child, to do anything to a child is sacrilege. It's sacrilege against the divinity, the gift of being born. And if you're called upon or your higher self or whatever it is says, wait, 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 if you're not, if you're in panic and you're in trauma, it's because you're terrified. And if you 
if you're on, if you if you're addicted, all this stuff, it's the same. You're just, you're just, you're running from the dark. You're running from the dark. And I mean, I feel privileged. I mean, it's been a fucking. I mean, and I'm sure it's going to go on. But what a journey! What an odyssey into this horror. And if there's one learning I've had is that you can get help and guidance to heal. And it's a long journey because the dark is very powerful. And if you're traumatized as a child, if this happens early on, Um, it's terrifying and I did abandon myself I made contracts with the devil I didn't know I don't remember and then I pretended it wasn't really the devil I pretended it was a victim to justify all the horror he did to me putting down the judgments the whole thing to make the dark work but whilst you make the dark work you're refusing love and divinity you're refusing the light and there's no growth in the dark it's all paralytic which is why it's dark. There's no illumination in the dark. Terror. Terror is like a black hole. There's nothing. It's just, it's black. There's no life. I mean, I feel like I've been sitting behind a, a glass wall looking onto life. I, I was just stuck there. I was just stuck there. As long as I couldn't see what had happened, which I couldn't because I was blinded and terrified, I would never be in life. I would never be in the party. I was literally stopped at the gate of the party and dragged into the bushes. And when I woke up, I had blacked out the dark. And I was literally perhaps online what? 10%, I don't know. So, and I think one of the most victorious moments was actually a friend of my mother's had written to me and said, you know, oh, you need to call her, blah, blah. And I was like, no. No. I need to heal. I don't care about fueling any many more balloons in a Macy thanks, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and not, don't care. The light is when you align and you connect and you fully open that last, go through that last door and see yourself. You know, I got flashes of it, like being curled up in a fetal position, you know. I didn't know how severe the trauma was. 
and you know you will make light of your trauma in order to sustain this is what he made me do I had to make light of what was done to me in order to justify the existence of the dark it's truly a sickness right And, you know, what about my career? <laughs> Literally, you know, when I was given that very clear dream, it was like, you know, my wallet and my phone were in the taxi and I just got out of the taxi and had to go face this writhing monster. It was like, your career doesn't matter. Your contacts don't matter. This is what you have to face. The darkness. You know, you think about, I remember reading all these poems, you know, Dante and, you know, and these, these stories about the light and the dark. And I read them and I was like, that didn't really mean a lot. I didn't realize that I was actually, <laughs> you know, that it was the major theme of my life, that I had been stolen by the dark. And that I had to go in and retrieve my little soul that I'd abandoned. You know, and you have to have enormous forgiveness for yourself, for your own betrayal. Um, but, you know, I think it's made up by my commitment. The minute you commit to say, no, I want her home. I'm gonna go down to the jungle and face that fear, don't do ayahuasca, I'm just going to keep doing this until I'm done, until I'm home. And when you go into this, you, you don't know what you're going into, I had no idea. Any of this, I had no idea what I was going into. I'm like, I just want to meditate because I want to be less anxious. You know, before I know it, I'm sort of, you know, in the underworld of the dark. And, yeah, you realize in the end that, you know, sometimes there are just bigger things going on that you don't realize. You know, you're looking for the house in Malibu and the universe is like, uh-uh, not till you slay the dragon, Maria. All right. It's a reconnection with your soul. I had this line where I was like, I left my soul in these different places where I'd stopped off. I'd made a pact with the devil. It had tricked me. Clever. I was an eager disciple until I wasn't. Until I wasn't. And then I was a fierce warrior, right? You become a fierce warrior. You know, when you're sitting there and the darkness is riding through you and you're sitting there and you're watching like a saber battle of light between the light and the dark. 
but it's only because of the ayahuasca. I mean, that's it. This plant medicine. Yeah. And it's like that. It's like being... You see the... Now I can see the... The darkness everywhere, right? It's like, I get it. You know, like... Here's a cause. You know, let's all go kill for the cause. We've got to go get the gold and the diamonds for the cause. And then we bring it back. You know to this person or to the king or the queen. Look how good we are. And we don't know that we're slaughtering in the name of a buck. It's just... And again, no shade on bucks. You know, I'd like to make millions of them. It's not, you know, I'm not saying it's just, it's about are we awake to ourselves? Are we awake to what we're doing and why we're doing it? And who are we? And have we been severed from ourselves? Have we been tricked? It just, it's, it's a never ending. I think it's all just another step, right? So when you arrive to that kind of the game over where the whole puzzle is like put back together there are even bigger questions right it, it, it's almost like the continent gets bigger your whole expanse of the playing field gets bigger and bigger right you've slain the dragon you face the fear you've reconnected you've seen the truth of where you were in this game you saw that you'd been stolen and paralyzed and you were a prisoner of the dark. But then there's, there's a, that, that is one like, wow, okay, the pieces of you get put back together. But then there's like the next piece, which is once you're connected, once you've seen how this thing works, right? What's the bigger playing field? Because if you're having trauma or something happened to you, it's not, it's unique to your experience, right? If you go back and you deal with your trauma, if you've been addicted and you become sober and you, it's all these layers of like returning home, right? <clears throat> and everybody's going through it in some way or the other, right? We're all trying to be connected and aligned with the truth of who we are. And I think every time like one little you know, a bit of sand is recovered from this huge ocean. This whole beach, it's like a little piece of light goes on, right? It's a little, another little star like twinkles again, right? From the blackness. And you get a bigger perspective of the world. It's like a bigger understanding of, you know, all this darkness and what what is it about like why why do we do it why I don't know I have no idea but it just <clears throat> if you get home you reach you go save your little munchkin that was trapped in the 
trauma and the dark and paralyzed and frozen. Not only is the victory of reconnecting to your soul and to who you are and <coughs> into your original divinity, which we all are, it's we're all this one beautiful thing the, in the light, but there's also, you know, what's the lesson, you know? We can be blinded. We can be tricked. We can become disciples of the dark. We're all vulnerable to it. And it's, this isn't a big, oh, I'm going to save the... No, it's like in your little garden, in your tiny little grain of sand, if, you, you know, if we can just clean that up and join the party, you know, it's like, and just bring a little light to ourselves. That's it. That is the gift, right? <clears throat> the gift is no longer being blinded by the dark. Finally becoming whole, we get back to being that, you know, fine bone china cut teacup. You see, they were willing to do anything for a buck because a buck mattered more, would give them an identity. They thought it would give them an identity. And even if it meant at the expense of their child being sent out to be abused, it didn't matter. They thought that was power. And honestly, and I've said this, and I used to say it to them, I wouldn't give a shit if I was in a little mountaintop with two goats, if I had a loving parent. I would have given everything up for that. I didn't want to be in New York and blah, blah, blah. It was all bullshit. I would have given everything up for just a tiny piece of love. And their stance was, we don't give a shit about love or anything. We just need to be somebody. We're nothing. And we're willing to give up our child to be abused, to make a buck. And to look like someone to the world. That's a pretty big ask. There's a lot in there. Anyway, so happy travels. <laughs> happy slaying dragons. And happy connecting and connecting to love and to light and to everything. Bye.